in your head. <laughs> hey, everybody. Alex Shaw here with uh, Your Wrist Matters podcast. Uh, Charlottesville, Virginia, sitting here in Rick Jones' office with Jimbo Redmond. How are you guys? We're great. I'm great. I just got back from vacation. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. You were uh, concert I going? Did not, I did not, but I can't <laughs> wait to hear about Rick's. Uh, we did it. Oh, I had my whole family out there because it was... Uh, uh, my wife and I are celebrating our 50th wedding anniversary. Holy smokes. So that's what she wanted to do. She wanted to take, you know, everybody out there. So we did uh, Targi Bluegrass Music Festival for three days. We fished on the South Fork of the Snake River. We floated the uh, Teton River. We biked. We... Uh, went to many breweries. We had a great time. How many? How many is in the ex, in, in the family party now? Oh my gosh! Uh, three boys, two wives, and two two grandkids, and and one unmarried son. And did you raise everybody here in Charlottesville? Yes. Okay. Are you from Charlottesville originally? No, I'm from Charleston, West Virginia. Awesome. I'll be there in a couple weeks. Actually, that's a great little uh, great little town. I'm I'm partial to Charles uh, to to uh, to West Virginia, more kind of Fayetteville area, a lot of whitewater rafting and yeah. and that kind yeah. of thing. Well, that's an interesting wild, place to wild, grow up. What is it? Wild and wonderful. Wild and wonderful. That's right. That's what yeah. that's what we say. Well, Rick, um, I don't maybe as a little intro to you, um, people got a little bit of a flavor for for who you are behind the scenes just now with with sharing what you do on vacation and and make of, of that what you will. Um, but if you might just uh, explain to folks what you do and have done professionally for the past few, I'll just say years. Few years. He's been married for 50, <laughs> 50 so he's years. probably got a pretty good track record of working. Well, let's see. I actually got in this business in 1970. It was the year I graduated from UVA. Uh, had no job. Uh, was living in, in an apartment. I was married at the time. I was married my last year in college. And uh, uh, they fired the resident manager because he had a wild Labor Day weekend party that was out of control. <laughs> and, you know, I, I said, hey, maybe this is an opportunity. And I called him up, and he gave me the job. And so, um, yeah, I guess next year will be my, literally my 50th year in property management. Oh, wow. So where did you go from, uh, what were the steps that, and so I guess the high-level high increments from there to where you are now? No, I think it's just, it's like, and it's like anything else, you, you start at the bottom, you learn everything. I followed every uh, maintenance man, every painter, every, every plumber that I ever called, every HVAC guy, and I just sat there and I watched and I said, how do you do this? How do you do that? Uh, you know, my owner uh, at the time, you know, was, you know, would, happy to, you know, show me all about, you know, accounting, which was a, a mystery, you know, to me, uh, you know, how to keep the books. Um, so I, I worked with, with him for, a, for like a year. Then I w started in the real estate, I got my real estate license and I went to one open house, and I said, this is not for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing this. Uh, <clears throat> uh, but a, a, 
a fellow I had met at this at this resident manager job uh, had uh, uh, he he knew uh, uh, a guy that was uh, in in law school who was buying some apartments and uh, long story short I hooked up with uh, Doug Caton who is the owner of management services and he was buying. Preston Square Apartments as a second-year law student, oh, and wow. he had he had uh, uh, talked two of his law professors into being his partners and investors, and <laughs> they raised the money. So uh, this was a about a seventy-five percent, you know, finished. It was Preston Square. Yeah, it was Preston yeah. Square. We we talked uh, before we we press record. I'd yeah. lived there in in undergrad as well. So I was I my wife and I lived in uh, 1302. I think it was uh, six six B, uh, and I was the resident manager there for uh, like a year. Uh, then we uh, started Management Services Corporation. We did did some fee management for uh, people uh, along with Preston Square. And then, you know, Doug proceeded to buy, you know, whatever came on the market, Cambridge Square, Ashtree, uh, you know, Rugby Apartments, Rugby Mac. Um, I was partial to Rugby Mac because it was utilities included. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oxford Hill. And and it was hot in the summer. Oxford. (laughs) Yeah. So you mentioned something a couple minutes ago that I – that appeals to me, and, and maybe you can elaborate a bit on. You mentioned, um, I think the overarching theme is one of curiosity when you say, you know, you follow the plumbers and the HVAC folks and the, the electricians, and what was your, why were you inclined to do that? I mean, what, what was in it for you? Because I could see how it would actually be pretty straightforward to say, hey, I've got an issue. Would you guys go take care of it? And, and then you move on to other business. So what was your inclination for just learning. I, I think I've always, I've just always been, you know, curious. I've always wanted to learn. I've always wanted to be a, I've always been a lifelong learner. Um, and, I, you know, when I was growing up, my, my um, father was a doctor. We didn't even own a lawnmower. You know, he, he wasn't allowed to, you know, play with you know, dangerous things like that. I, we, we, we had one, but it, it didn't have a motor. It was the old, you know, yeah, push, push, push rotary, mower. rotary thing. Those are coming back. So when I, I had friends who had, had, you know, summer businesses mowing lawns, and when they'd va- va- go on vacation, I would be raising my hand up saying, hey, can I, can I do your, you know, your route for you when you're on vacation? Because it's like, hey, I, this is fun. Because right. I, it was new to me, uh, but I, I just, uh, um, you know, I, I can remember when computers were invented, and you know, you you couldn't even buy one. Uh, I I went to a place on Arlington Boulevard where they where you liter- literally rented time, you know, on uh, whatever the... Huh. TRS-80? Hmm? <laughs> the, the Radio Shack I, was I TRS-80? I don't know what it was, but you know, they weren't supposed to, you know, answer questions for you. And, 
it, I was using Lotus One Two Three at the time, and I would always just be saying, "Hey, you know, come over here. You know, what? How do you do this?" And it was all DOS. You had every command was, yeah. you know, a a DOS command. You know, you had to if you wanted to copy something, you had to type copy blah 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 blah. Um, so it's and I wrote. I did not write the code for our management software, but I literally outlined how it would work. How I mean, we had we had a great work order system that I, I, I guess I designed it, and then I hired a guy to write the code, and we probably used that for you know ten years. Hmm. Um, but the the guy that wrote it was, you know, less and less available. And if you have no support, every time it had a little twitch, you know, you're in a panic mode. Well, when did you, when did that inquisitiveness translate over to sort of risk management? Oh, you know, I think really um, my my interest in, in risk management started when I, when I met Bo Izzard. And he was a, uh, a unique individual. His dad had uh, uh, an insurance company in in Roanoke. Uh, uh, I guess it was it was W. Bowling Izzard something. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he started there, but then he went to. I think he worked in London, you yep. know, for a year. Uh, brought back. You know, uh, just a, a kind of a uh, a different perspective uh, over there. Uh, he might have worked at Lloyd's. Uh, can't remember. And I was probably one of his first customers. Mm. And he has been, you know, our our agent ever since. Um, and you know, Bo is just truly a a unique. He's not an agent. He's an advocate you know, for, uh, owners. Um, so I, I just, I think I, I learned from him. Well, you, you, I mean, it's, well, I, being a part of the generations captive and I've just sort of been along for the ride and you've been really involved in that, in, in being on the risk control committee, I think since you've been in the captive. Correct. And uh, and so I think that's a bit unique that you've sort of stayed in that risk management lane, and um, but also just been active at the risk control workshops, and 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 I mean you got a lot on your plate, and you've got a lot of responsibilities here, and I, you know, I'm I'm interested to know what 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 drives that maybe beyond just your sort of inquisitive. Yeah. Well, I think part of it's you know necessity. You know, it's a, uh, you know, it's it's. It's really an essential ingredient for people who, you know, recognize that you know they have uh, their their balance sheet at risk. You know, when you're in a captive, it's your money, and that's a different perspective than people who just go out and pay to transfer all risk to an insurance company, and you know they're they're happy with that. You know, they're uh, we uh, I think. You know, Bo, again, it was Bo who introduced us to the concept of a captive and, you know, generations. And, 
and it was an environment where uh, you met people who were of the same ilk, hmm. you know, who were very, very interested in being able to, uh, you know, manage risk well, and then to see the see the financial benefit of of doing a good job of that. Hmm. Yeah, there's so, one one of the things I've admired about you over the years, and we've talked about this, you know, behind the scenes. Is I'd I'd kind of classify you a little bit if it's if it's okay to do that as 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 a challenger, but not a contrarian. Just you know, for the sake of being contrary, there are. Um, any number of meetings I can recall where you bring into something something into question, and 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 the there are elements of those question lines of questioning that can be complicated, but there are also kind of these in tennis, you know, you call them pushers, people who just they stand at the baseline and they just consistently hit the ball back. Yeah. And so while some of the content might be complicated, there are also elements of dealing with injured workers and reporting incidents that are very fundamental and basic, but that you never seem to tire of reminding folks to do. So maybe if you could speak a little bit to, I mean, risk management in my, in my eyes seems to be a, uh, a place that just demands constant reiteration and attention. And so you've got, you know, close to 20 years now, I guess, doing that on a regular, I would say probably daily basis. Um, so what drives that? And, and that must be very important if it's something that you've decided to, to really lean into. Well, for us, you know, it, it it's kind of a system that's, that's worked very well. And it started with what, what we would call incident reports. And we've been, it's just part of our culture. Uh, it's, uh, we, you know, we, we kind of indoctrinate literally every new employee on, uh, that responsibility. And we, you know, we are notified from every property manager or facilities manager or, uh, uh, manager of any company of, of what I would call any kind of incident. It's not necessarily an accident, or it's not uh, a work comp injury. It might just be that, um, uh, oh, uh, a tree limb fell on somebody's car, mm-hmm. and that instantly, you know, would I, you know, I, I read every incident report that comes in, along with uh, uh, regional managers, safety committee people. It's a it's a pretty long. You know, list. Yeah, I'm on those distribution right. lists, and you also you you read them. You also respond to them. Right. <laughs> well, you, you you do because you, you know, I I certainly have the experience, but uh, lots of other people have it, and uh, the person that that's writing that incident report about the tree that fell on, uh, the tree limb that fell on a resident's car, uh, we need to let them know right away. Hey, you know, that's really not our fault, you know, unless they told you two weeks ago that the the limb looked, you know, like it was dead and it might fall on their car, then that's not our problem. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, if, 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 for example, if there's a, a work comp injury, depending on the nature of it, then, you know, we're all over that. You know, we're saying, did you ask this? Did you ask this? What about the pictures? What about uh, you know, other people that witnessed this happening. Uh, so it's, it's, 
you know, I think it's it, for us, it's just second nature. Yeah, you guys have also baked in something that I think is really valuable, the five-day follow-up, supervisor follow-up. So I see that that John Henry and you question fairly regularly, have you started the five-day follow-up, which for folks listening is essentially when somebody's injured. Um, it's just if you're their supervisor, give them a call every day. And if they're on the job and it was just a little nick and it's nothing, still ask them how they're doing, make sure they're yep. doing okay. And we do the same thing with, with any type of an incident with a resident. You know, say they say say there's a slip and fall or or anything that you know might uh, have have impacted them. Uh, it's the same continual follow up. Call them up. Go by. How are you? Care, comfort, concern. Mm-hmm. You know, that's sort of been you know our the the secret sauce that that um, again you know Jimbo and and. Um, uh, Bo Izzard have done many <laughs> care, co- you know, comforting, concern talks, but it's it's just it's second nature now. Yeah, so I think I mean that's that's great to hear from our perspective because it's something that that we believe so much in, and and frankly, there's so many companies out there that talk about it, but but they don't really do it, and, and it really does take sort of a daily approach to it, and and you talked about starting new with people when they come come on board and y'all y'all have got a diversity of of companies that that you oversee what where do you find that the most challenging i mean are there any any particular pockets or do you struggle more in one place i i think i think it's most difficult where you have a lot of turnover you have a lot of let's say just um you know field labor um you know it, it's it's that that's the the biggest challenge you know at our at large you know communities or or our main office uh there are a lot of seasoned uh experienced uh, vets there right so you bring in a new uh assistant property manager or assistant leasing manager uh there's always somebody else you know observing available you know there to help uh, uh, but that's not always the case when you're, you know, on a, a a road crew, you know, in different locations, you know, all the time. And, you know, the focus just doesn't, I mean, we, that's, we get our incident reports, you know, from them. Uh, but I, I can't say that it's, that, that, that backup is, as strong as as we have in in the multifamily area yeah you know it's interesting i I see and and we kind of realized this over the years and i specifically remember speaking to a group of supervisors in a in a in a in a manufacturing environment that had a lot of press breaks and they were having a lot of injuries but even at that when i pulled the room we were going over accident you know reporting forms incident reporting forms and and people seemed very unfamiliar and so i just said how many of you guys have been here for over five years and a good contingent of the leads and, and, you know, uh, supervisors have been there for five, you know, 10, eight years. How many of you guys have had more than two employees report an injury to you? And, and the hands just dropped. I mean, the reality is because you're kind of the bottleneck and, and that's the world we operate in, 
you get this sense that everybody's familiar with the process, and the reality is that it demands somebody in your position. Or, yeah. you know, we did one with Tom Van Doren on uh, from Caddy Master, who is just day in and right. day out, um, consistently reiterating the message of following yeah. up, care, compassion, concern, pictures. Yeah, there's just a lot of of um, touch points in these processes that, unless somebody's quarterbacking it, really they can really be disrupted. You know, I think that's a good good word, quarterbacking, it, because it this isn't something that you just do a two hour training session on and everybody walks out and they get it. It's, um, uh, I mean, we we not only have the quarterback, but we have a, a, a good strong team of of people who it's all those people on the distribution list for an incident report mm-hmm. and. Uh, there are so there are lots of eyeballs, you know, on that report, and lots of thoughts that go into, uh, "Hey, have you done this? Have you done this? Have you done this?" Uh, I think I got an incident report yesterday from somebody uh, on one of the construction crews. He, his shoulder was hurting him, and uh, they sent him home. So I've already responded to, hey, how is whatever his name doing today? Um, I don't rely on hoping that that superintendent remembered to do that. Right. It's just, it's uh, actually taught for two years. Yeah. Like, you know, teaching. So I just teach, teach, teach. Well, the pro- I think one of the challenges is Jimbo's, co- I think you coined the, the term the power of no result. And so if you did, let's play that scenario out, and you just hope that he got better, chances are he would. Yeah. And, and that reinforces kind of the, the yeah. relaxed approach to managing incidents. But, but the problem is that those you know, small percentage of the incidents that yeah. actually manifest in the way you hope they wouldn't can be incredibly costly and compound yeah. in their expense. And you're still... You're still trying to manage what, you know, appears to be maybe minor, but we all know how minor things yeah. turn into major yeah. things. And, and, you know, I think you've summed it up. And, um, I mean, Todd Conklin calls it small signal events. The companies that pay attention to small signal events are the companies that are probably the best at managing risk and safety. And, and I think the key is, is that it, it is a management function. And you obviously take that very seriously, and I think that's a lesson a lot could learn. But I also have to go back to the quarterback because UVA did win two national championships last year in lacrosse and basketball, and there are high expectations for the football team this year. I'm not sure I share those, but as a, as a fellow graduate and interested observer, what's your, what's your take on the football team this year? I think they're going to do better than they did last year, but I'm not. Uh, I, I have no predictions. Um, you're I, not. You're not buying your tickets to the Final Four. <laughs> uh, I'll, 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 oh, I thought we were talking about football. We are um, the Final Four in football. Now I don't know what they call that, but <laughs> that's there a Final Four in Final football. Four. No, there's no Final Four in <laughs> no. football. You should know. You played football. I know, yeah. but I thought there was a four-team playoff. Uh, might be ACC playoffs. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know. Uh, look, it, it, 
I, I like Rick's response. I think we'll be better than last year, and I think that's that's all we should we should aim for. And and I'm with you, um, Rick. You you've had a few years working in the captive. What are maybe if you could indulge us the two or three things that you learned from the captive or, or outside of that, really, just navigating managing risk here um, that you you guys tried that worked well. And then maybe conversely, a few things you thought, wow, that sounds like a great idea, and you gave it a shot, and we hadn't anticipated the, the consequences. You know, well, I think there, there are little things, there are big things. The, the, uh, the, the, the beauty of the captive, and especially in risk control, which you mentioned I've, I've always been on, is you've got 30-some companies with you know, hundreds of people who are all kind of striving for the same thing, is how do we, you know, control and manage, you know, risk. And they have uh, great ideas that, you know, you didn't think of, Mm -hmm. or there are better ideas that you didn't think of. Um, And I can remember, oh, I think it was... uh, Uh, I think it was a maybe a, a distribution company, uh, somebody with uh, you know trucks that had to uh, maybe a beer distributor. I can't remember who it was, but uh, they said we don't ever back up. You know, we go to every single location, and you know we scout out a way that they can do the delivery without ever backing up. And uh, I, uh, you could go out and see my car in the parking lot. It is backed up, you know, it, and I just, I, I, I thought that was uh, really in one of the best ideas that I've ever, I've ever heard because we, I can't tell you how many, you know, uh, incident reports I've read about, you know, well, Bud was backing up and he didn't see anything, but guess what? He backed into somebody's fender. Right. Um, um, and uh, bigger things, recent things, uh, is the use of uh, uh, GPS, you know, tracking devices. I think we have, we have something like 250 uh, pickup trucks, hmm. you know, uh, uh, you know, from all of the different companies, and we probably a month ago completed, you know, the last of of getting that all done, and uh, uh, it is just sort of uh, realizing that people who had fleets, you know, were doing this, that they had recognized that it was important. And, you know, for us, we're at the point where uh, all we've done is install it, and we really don't know how to use it. Mm. So I'm, I'm looking forward to my next opportunity to interface with people who do use it and say, you know, what are your policies? What have you told your, your employees about how you're going to use it and you know, the, the challenges and the pitfalls and stuff. So the captive has really been an avenue for you to pursue your learning. Absolutely. It's, hmm. it's because, 
you know, the, the, the guys and, and uh, gals in that group, they're all doing the same thing. They're all experimenting. They're all, you know, n- not, not always learning from captive members, but, you know, their own industry, you know, members. You know, just uh, uh, it's, it's, you know, I think that's the responsibility of, of a, you know, a, a leader in the first place. You know, yeah, well, to you know, improve. Yeah, I, I you know I, I remember my years in undergrad living in Charlottesville, and I, I I'm going to tie in a fight analogy here as I often try to do. Wouldn't be a podcast without an Alex fight analogy. Well, my boxing coach at the time, a guy by the name of Joe Mallory. You know, when you're an undergrad, you're not as disciplined, and so I skipped a few practices. And when I came back, he cornered me and started berating me and yelling at me. Uh, pretty aggressively, because that's kind of the environment, about my absence. And I said, well, no, you know, Mem Jim has a heavy bag. I've been hitting that. And he said, what makes you think you could work out at even the fraction of output that you can when you're in here surrounded by your brothers? And when I think of the captive, I think there's a layer of accountability that, that, that forces folks and creates an energy and kind of a, man, just a, a, a momentum of forward movement in learning and executing and failing and trying new things, but being a part of that team, if you will, I think is is really powerful and, and really compelling. Well, and 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 certainly there's a there's an element of competition too. Hmm. Uh, everybody, you know, everybody wants to you know have the 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 lowest loss ratio. Unfortunately, we've got a few members who. Uh, you know, they, they, they should be handicapped. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've, uh, we're, we're rounding out the time here, but since I thought of boxing and you're a bow wizard, um, familiar with Bo, maybe a little-known fact, Bo was a boxer, and he's going to kill me for sharing that on here, but Bo, Bo was a little bit of a jabber himself uh, back in I, the day. I did not know that. Bo, and I, Bo and I are uh, sort of fellow farmers. We, we share, you know, all of our... Our tractor and equipment uh, tales and woes, and, and <laughs> he's got plenty of them. <laughs> Bo and his overalls. Yep. Well, Rick, thank you for the time, and thanks yeah. for just providing some some insight from yeah. your experience. Hey, I enjoyed uh, chatting with you guys. Thanks. Welcome back from vacation. Thank you to everyone uh, listening. Hope you have a great week, and until uh, next time. Hopefully, it'll be cooler next week. Take care. <laughs> Amen. <laughs>